Chapter 47 of Dogs and All About Them. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anthony Wilson. Dogs and All About Them by Robert Layton. Chapter 47 The Brussels Griffon. Away back in the 70s, numbers of miners in Yorkshire and the Midlands are said to have possessed the little wiry-coated and wiry-dispositioned red dogs, which accompanied their owners to work, being stowed away in pockets of overcoats until the dinner hour, when they were brought out to share their master's meals, perchance chasing a casual rat in between times. Old men of today who remember these little red tarriers tell us that they were the originals of the present-day Brussels Griffons, and to the sporting propensities of the aforesaid miners is attributed the gameness which is such a characteristic of their latter-day representatives. No one who is well acquainted with the Brussels Griffon would claim that the breed dates back, like the greyhound, to hoary antiquity, or indeed that it has any pretensions to have come over with the conqueror. The dog is not less worthy of admiration on that account. It is futile to inquire too closely into his ancestry. Like Topsy, he growed, and we must love him for himself alone. Even in the last fifteen years we can trace a certain advance in the evolution of the Brussels Griffon. When the breed was first introduced under this name into this country, underjaw was accounted of little or no importance, whereas now a prominent chin is rightly recognized as being one of the most important physical characteristics of the race. Then again, quite a few years ago, a Griffon with a red-pin wire coat was rarely met with, but now this point has been generally rectified, and every show specimen of any account whatever possesses the much-desired covering. The first authentic importations of Brussels Griffons into this country were made by Mrs. Kingscoat, Miss Adela Gordon, Mrs. Frank Pierce, and Fletcher, who at that time, circa 1894, kept a dog shop in Regent Street. Mrs. Handley Spicer soon followed, and it was at her house that, in 1896, the Griffon Bruxellois Club was first suggested and then formed. The Brussels Griffon Club of London was a later offshoot of this club, and, like many children, would appear to be more vigorous than its parent. Griffons soon made their appearance at shows and won many admirers, though it must be admitted that their progress up the ladder of popularity was not so rapid as might have been expected. The breed is especially attractive in the following points. It is hardy, compact, portable, very intelligent, equally smart and alert in appearance, affectionate, very companionable, and above all it possesses the special characteristic of wonderful eyes, ever-changing in expression and compared with which the eyes of many other toy breeds appear as a glass bead to a fathomless lake. Griffons are hardy little dogs, though like most others they are more susceptible to damp than to cold. While not greedy like the terrier tribe, they are usually good feeders and good doers, and not tiresomely dainty with regard to food, as is so often the case with toy spaniels. It must be admitted that Griffons are not the easiest of dogs to rear, particularly at weaning time. From five to eight weeks is always a critical period in the puppyhood of a Griffon, and it is necessary to supersede their maternal nourishment with extreme caution. Farinaceous foods do not answer and usually cause trouble sooner or later. A small quantity of scrapped raw beef, 
an egg spoonful at four weeks increasing to a teaspoonful at six, may be given once a day and from four to five weeks to additional meals of warm milk, goats for preference, and not more than a tablespoon at a time should be given. From five to six weeks the mother will remain with the puppies at night only, and three milk meals may be given during the day, with one of scrapped meat at intervals of about four hours, care being taken to give too little milk rather than too much. At six weeks the puppies may usually be taken entirely from the mother, and at this time it is generally advisable to give a gentle vermifuge, such as ruby. A very little German rusk may also be added to the milk meals, which may be increased to one and a half tablespoons at a time, but it must always be remembered that in nine cases out of ten, trouble is caused by overfeeding rather than underfeeding, and until the Rubicon of eight weeks has been passed, care and oversight should be unremitting. At eight weeks old, force or brown breadcrumbs may be added to the morning milk, chopped meat may be given instead of scrapped at midday, the usual milk at tea time, and a dry biscuit such as plasmin for supper. At ten weeks old, the milk at tea time may be discontinued, and the other meals increased accordingly, and very little further trouble need be feared, for griffons very rarely suffer from teething troubles. Brussels griffons are divided into three groups, according to their appearance, and representatives of each group may be, and sometimes are, found in one and the same litter. First and foremost, both in importance and in beauty, comes the griffon bruxellois, a cobby compact little dog with wiry red coat, large eyes, short nose, well turned up and sloping back, very prominent chin and small ears. Secondly comes the griffons of any other color, or as they are termed in Brussels, griffons belges. These are very often griffons of the usual color, with a mismark of white or black, or occasionally they may be gray or fawn. But the most approved color, and certainly the most attractive, is black and tan. The third group of Brussels griffon is that termed smooth, or in Brussels, griffon brabancon. The smooth griffon is identical with the rough in all points except for being short-haired. As is well known, smooth griffons are most useful for breeding rough ones with the desired hard red coat, and many well-known show dogs with rough coats have been bred from smooth ones. For example, Sparklets, Champion Copthorn Lobster, Champion Copthorn Treasure, Champion Copthorn Talk of the Town, and Copthorn Blunderbuss. This and many other facts in connection with breeding griffons will be learnt from experience, always the best teacher. The descriptive particulars of the Brussels griffon are General appearance A lady's little dog, intelligent, sprightly, robust, of compact appearance, reminding one of a cob and captivating the attention by a quasi-human expression. Head Rounded, furnished with somewhat hard, irregular hairs, longer round the eyes and the nose and cheeks. Ears, erect when cropped as in Belgium, semi-erect when uncropped. Eyes, very large, black or nearly black. Eyelids edged with black. Eyelashes long and black. Eyebrows covered with hairs, leaving the eye they encircle perfectly uncovered. Nose, always black. Short, surrounded with hair converging upward to meet those which surround the eyes. Very pronounced stop. Lips. Edged with black, 
furnished with a mustache. A little black in the mustache is not a fault. Chin. Prominent without showing the teeth, and edged with a small beard. Chest. Rather wide and deep. Legs. As straight as possible of medium length. Tail. Erect and docked to two-thirds. Color. In the Griffons Bruxellois, red. In the Griffons Belges, preferably black and tan, but also gray or fawn. In the Petit Brabancon, red or black and tan. Texture of coat. Harsh and wiry, irregular, rather long and thick. In the Brabancon, it is smooth and short. Weight. Lightweight, 5 pound maximum, and heavyweight, 9 pound maximum. Faults. The faults to be avoided are light eyes, silky hair on the head, brown nails, teeth showing, and a hanging tongue or a brown nose. End of chapter 47